So my name's Corey. I'm actually the student pastor here at Northwood Church. And uh, man, it's just such a blessing to be here with you guys on Tuesday night. In fact, fun fact, my first time walking through the doors of Northwood Church was in Genesis. So I was like 20 years old and uh, they had a spot open to come play on the worship team. And I showed up to play on the worship team and God radically began to do things in and through my life all the way. And I saw God move all the way to get me to the spot now where I'm able to lead this generation, this next generation of Christ followers uh, into all God has for them. And so I kind of want to do something a little different up front because God kind of spoke during worship a little bit. So this is what I want to do. I want to take a second to pray because I want to do this. Um, let me pray first because this might, this might be for you. I know this is weird, but I feel like God's calling me to do it. So pray with me real quick. Father, there's, for some of us in here, maybe in this room tonight, there are the attitude is maybe, I don't know if I can get into this God thing, Father. And, and so even while worship, I felt your spirit moving of saying, God, we're trying to connect with you, get into you. We're trying to put ourselves closer to you. But, Father, what you're wanting to speak tonight is not how much more can we get of you, but, Father, what you can do when you open up inside of us. And so, Father, for the person in here tonight that's trying to, to work and gain and try to understand how can I get closer to Jesus tonight, the prayer is that they would rest in what you're wanting to do in and through them, Father. God, that they can't put themselves near or, or God put themselves in you, but Jesus, you're wanting to do something new inside of them. And so, Father, I thank you for tonight and what you're wanting to do and what you're wanting to speak. And God, we're going to celebrate everything you're going to do here tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So you guys have been in this series called Fresh, and uh, I love how Kevin kind of talked about it a little bit, because you talk about the fruits of the Spirit. So we'll just jump right into Galatians 5.22, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit a little bit, and I'll tell you what we're going to be Focusing on tonight. So it says this, Paul writes, But the Holy Spirit, Jesus in us, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. And so when it comes to these fruits, and, uh, and this is what I always say to our students too before we get started, like, I believe history makers are note takers. And so like, the more notes you take and the more you allow God to kind of move, like, it's going to see things in your life and also in the lives of the people around you change. And so, like, get your phone out, get, a, get an app out, whatever you need to do to begin taking notes tonight. It, uh, you'll see the benefits of your life long after just tonight. And so, uh, but these fruits are things we can't produce in and of ourselves in our lives. Like, they're things we can't just stir up and get more of. We can't say, you know, like, today I'd really like to act more loving. Or I'd really like to find some more joy or some more peace. I'd really like to be able to have better self-control in my life. Like apart from Christ, you can get like an imitation or a limitation of these things, but you can't actually get the real thing. Um, me and my wife, we love sushi. Anybody else like sushi? Shame. All right. Shame. You guys aren't, yeah. It's because college age. You guys, you know, sushi's a little expensive. I get it. Okay. So like we love sushi, but there's a problem because my wife, Rachel, is actually allergic to seafood. So when we get sushi, she actually has to get imitation crab, which is fake crab, okay? So they put fake crab inside of the sushi. And every time I tell her, I'm like, this is just like an aspect or, a, or like an imitation of the real thing. Like you don't even get to like taste the goodness of what like sushi really is. Like you just get an imitation of what it could be. And so apart from Christ and apart from the Holy Spirit, we can have and we can see like aspects of good. We can see aspects of joy, but it's always going to be a limitation or an imitation of what the real thing is apart from Christ. And here's the thing. If we could produce these things in our lives already, there'd be no need for Christ in our lives. If we could wake up and if we could just have love, have joy, have peace, there would be no need for Christ. But I'm here to talk a little bit tonight about how like, 
in and of our own, we can't have any of these things. We can't produce any of these things. Maybe an imitation or a limitation of these things, but not the real thing apart from Christ. And so tonight we get to talk about faithfulness. Anybody want to take a stab on what like faithfulness is? Good answer. Because faith, faithful, and faithfulness is in the Bible like a bazillion times. And so like when someone says like faith or faithful or faithfulness, all these different variations, man, there's just so many like thoughts about what is it. There's so many different like maybe mindsets or views on like, well, this is what faith means. And, you know, faith is like the thing that you don't see, but you actually see, but like God's in it, you know, Hebrew. Like there's like a bunch of different aspects when it comes to this word faith or faithful. Like how faithful are you? Or faithfulness, like it's just, it can get messy. And so like as I was preparing for this and kind of thinking through, I really wanted to break down just an easy way for us to understand like what is faithfulness? And why is that something that Christ wants to produce in us that we don't have in and of ourselves? So when it looks to faithfulness, and I'll do a little bit of, of history on this word because obviously the Bible wasn't originally written in English. I don't, you know, obviously. And so like, we see in the Old Testament, the Bible was actually written in, in Hebrew, and there's this word that they use for faith. And it's the same word they also use for faithful. And it's the same word they actually use for faithfulness as well. And so this is breakdown of this old Hebrew word called amun, which means this, firm and secure. It's described as like a nail in a wall that you can hang things by. It's kind of funny, like in our house the other day, um, I heard our doorbell ring. And I ran to the doorbell and no one was there. So I was like, oh, we're probably getting pranked. And then I realized our whole doorbell machine fell from our house, like inside of our hallway. Like, I didn't realize there was even a doorbell machine in a house. Like, I thought it was the doorbell, and then, like, miraculously, your house just went ding, ding. Like, I didn't know there was a machine that's about, like, this big that's attached to a wall somewhere. And so, like, ding, 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 ding. And then all of a sudden, I hear, and, like, the doorbell machine crashes entire, like, our whole entire house. And Rachel was like, well, you're going to have to fix that. And I was like, yeah, I know. And so I try to put it back in the hole and try to, like, get it how it's supposed to be. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to glue this sucker in. Like, like, I made it as firm and secure as possible. And so you see in the Old Testament when this word faith or faithful or faithfulness is used, it's all derived from one root, meaning firm or secure. When we go to the New Testament, we see a different word. It was written in Greek. We see this word pistos, which is the same word used for faith faithful in faithfulness, meaning trusting or trustworthy. So really, anytime you see the word faithfulness, faith, or faithful, it really comes down to this. It's being or trusting in something firm and secure. It's either I'm the one being trustworthy, I'm the one being firm and secure, or it's I'm trusting in something firm and secure. And so the opposite of that would definitely be wavering, wishy-washy, would be not firm, not secure, would be untrustworthy. And so when it comes to faithfulness, I think sometimes the best way to maybe describe what something is, is by comparing it to maybe some things that it isn't. Because I think in our, our, our world today, when we come to talking about faithfulness and we look at like being able to trust in something firm and secure, like there's very, very little things we can actually des- describe as like really being faithful or really having a degree of faithfulness to it. You can even look at like maybe business deals. Maybe you work in a company. I worked at a computer company when I was like 20 years old. Hated everything about it, except one day I got to bring Guitar Hero to work, so that was kind of cool, all right? And so, but we just did like really shady business deals. And I remember one time talking to my boss about it, and he was like, well, you can work here or you can not. And I was like, well, I'd like to keep my job, but can you not be a jerk, you know? And so like, 
But I just saw a degree of like what, what unfaithfulness looked like, what, what shadiness kind of looked like. Or maybe you see it like in different contracts being made. Like, you know, right now you get to, you get to enjoy the whole North Korea thing going on right now. Like, are we going to meet with North Korea about their nuke deals? Are we not? I mean, it feels kind of shady. It feels like there's some, some unfaithfulness, some unsecurity going on in a lot of ways. I'm a uh, huge Browns fan. Cleveland Browns, what's up? I knew there wasn't going to be anybody else that was going to be like, yeah, what, what? Like, Tim, what's up, bro? And, like, here's the thing. Like, our fan base is faithful, but I feel like our team is very unfaithful, okay? Like, just to be honest with you. But as we look around the world, like, it's easy to see a lack of faithfulness. And I think more than anything else, we see this lack of faithfulness when it comes to relationships. I saw my parents separate multiple times in my life. In fact, a lot of you guys probably didn't even grow up with the same parents that maybe birthed you or you were just one of with, them, with one of them or you at least had a friend whose parents were divorced or right now maybe you have a sibling who stepped out of, of the home or you know someone who has had close to your family. Like It doesn't take many degrees going beyond yourself to see where faithfulness broke down, to see where having some security broke down in your life. We see this lack of faithfulness in in relationships more than anywhere else. And here's the thing, even in our human best attempts, like we can't live up to the faithfulness that God actually wants for us. Even in our human man-made best attempts. I had a perfect uh, understanding of this once again in my life last week. So me and my wife planned to go out on like a morning date. And we were like, okay, well, we'll drop the kids off at, at school for the morning and let them, let them hang out. And dad, me, was in charge of making their lunch boxes. So I was like, oh, I'll kill it. I'll make those best, best lunch boxes they've ever had, okay? And so, like, one I get to make PB, PB&J for, and I have to cut off the crust and make sure he has two and the strawberries are cut in half, and he needs a cheese stick in there, too, because if you don't put a cheese stick in there, it ain't real lunch, okay? And so one has the cheese stick PB&J times two without the crusts, has strawberries cut in half in a juice box, all right? And the other one, they can't have PB&J in the nursery because some kid's got a peanut allergy, and so they're not allowed to eat peanut butter over there. So he gets a grilled cheese cut in squares, Crust can stay on, but only if it's, like, melted down enough to have the cheese go through it. Okay? Lots of work. So I take about nine hours making lunches, and I put them in the book bags all ready to go. We pack in the car, and we get off, and we drop them off for school, and they're like, bye, 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 and they're going into the doors, and I'm like, I did it. And me and Rachel go get coffee, and we hang out for a couple of hours, and we go pick our kids up from school. And Colton, my four-year-old, comes up to me, and he goes, Dad, how could you? I was like, what? Like, what? He was like, you gave me the baby's lunch. <laughs> and I had accidentally given him my two-year-old's lunch and switched lunch boxes into the different book bag. And so my four-year-old begins to tell me how much other kids made fun of him for eating baby food. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, four-year-olds are cruel, man. Like, <laughs> but he's like, yeah. Like, my friends are like, ha, huh, baby food. You're eating baby food. And I was like, well, let me... Let me punch a four-year-old. And, like, and he like looked at me and he was like, Daddy, how could you? You let me down. I was, I was trusting in you to give me the right lunch and you couldn't even do that. Do you not love me? Do you not care for me? And I mean, he's not saying all this, but in my heart, I'm feeling like this is what he's trying to do. If he could right now, I mean, he'd milk it for everything he could. If I could have right now, I'd be like, you want to go to Disney? What do you want? Like, I'll make it right, you know? But I just, I... I in my best effort, like, I couldn't even do this this one time. 
And so to my four-year-old who looks at me and I had a decision of, of messing up something so simple, but it's just a display of how oftentimes we're let down by people, we're let down by others, and we also let others down. And even in our best efforts, man, faithfulness is just a really, really hard thing. It's a hard thing to be able to do. It's a hard thing to be able to produce in our lives. But I know this, and this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Because here's the thing. Faithfulness is an attribute of God. It's an attribute of God. It's who God is. It's a characteristic and attribute of God. And because faithfulness is an attribute of God, it can be an ability of ours. Because it's an attribute of God, it can be an ability of ours, but not in and of ourselves. And so I kind of want to journey through this understanding of what faithfulness is. And the best way to do it is, I think, to look at the attribute of faithfulness with the one who holds it best, and that's our creator. That's God. That's God. And so I kind of want to take a journey for a little bit of looking at the faithfulness of God and then what that means for us and in our lives. The Old Testament's full of displaying God's faithfulness and displaying his character. And we'll go a small list just through a few people in the Old Testament and just look at how God provided for them, how God was faithful to them, how God was trustworthy and how God was secure and how God was able to be relied upon in their lives. You see, from, from day one, God created shelter and a place and a pers- purpose for Adam and Eve. Like out of the gun, God displayed his faithfulness to creation. A while later, you see Noah and God protecting his whole entire family from a flood. And bringing him in and displaying his faithfulness, you see Moses, that that God delivered him and his people out of slavery. You see Abraham, that God was faithful to him and provided a child for them long after they should have had it and gave him a promise. You see Jacob ended up wrestling with God and God purposed him and was faithful to him in leading a great nation. You see David was given a kingdom and set up with power. You see that Jonah was even swallowed by a whale in God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Like, If you want to know about what faithfulness is, pick up your Bible and spend some time with God because it's all over the Bible. It's all in there. And what we do is we wrestle with things in our own life without actually going to God, who's the creator and the author of what that thing is we actually need. And so God just displays his faithfulness like crazy in his word. In fact, the Bible screams of God's faithfulness because it's who he is. It's an attribute of who he is. But as you read through the Bible, you also see another thing that's as constant as the first, and that's this, that even in our best efforts, humans struggle with their faithfulness. So where God was faithful to all of his people, you also see the back end of that as well. So when Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they ate of the fruit, and they were unfaithful. You see Noah end up getting drunk and completely messing up a bunch of things. You see Moses murdered and disobeyed God. You see that Abraham lied about his wife to people multiple times, and, and Jacob then lied to his parents. You see that David slept with another man's wife and then killed the dude and about a million more people. You see Jonah disobeyed and then disagreed with God. Like Every time you see a display of God's faithfulness, you can also see the inver- inverse of how humans just aren't very faithful in and of themselves. They're just not. And that's not a scary thing. That's God's wanting to show us that apart from him, we can't be faithful. And sometimes I think we try in our own effort to be good enough in certain areas of our lives when really God's just wanting to say, like, rest. You're not good enough. You can't be. You can't be faithful enough. But the beauty thing about Christ is I'm everything that you can't be. Everything that you can't be. And it's true for us. Like, we all struggle with being firm and secure Maybe in our identity or maybe in who we are. We struggle with being trustworthy. We're oftentimes wavering. We're oftentimes shaky. We struggle in believing even that God is even worth trusting. 
There's so many things in our lives that, that we really do struggle when it comes to just faithfulness. For some of us, faithfulness in reading our word, or reading the word, and for some of us, faithfulness in maybe our prayer lives, for some of us, faithfulness in maybe how often we come to church or not, for some of us, faithfulness about how we talk to people, for some of us, we're in relationships, maybe we're not faithful. And like, there's just so many aspects of where we struggle with faithfulness in and of ourselves. And God's not doing that to scare us. God's doing that to show us a very clear fact of this, that he's the only thing that remains faithful, period. And so we see in the last book of the Old Testament, we see God's faithfulness and our faithfulness come in contact. We see it come to a resting point of of what this actually means for the future of humanity. And I love it. Malachi, he writes it this way. God goes, for I am the Lord and I do not change. I do not change. I'm unwavering. The way I feel about you and my promises to you, my hope for you, my plan for you, my desire for you, it's unwavering. It will not change. I'm faithful to you because I'm faithful to myself till the end. And then he even goes on further. He goes, that is why you are not already utterly destroyed. <laughs> let, let it just sink in for a second because you're kind of like, ah, oh, no way God said that. Oh, yeah, like we're not faithful. Like we're not for some of you, like, oh, man, like, you're really saying that? Yeah, because I'm in the same boat. Like, in and of myself, you're, you're right. I'm not faithful at all. But God does not change, and that is why you're not utterly destroyed already. For my mercy endures forever. And though you have scorned my laws, though you've sinned against me, though you've messed up, though you've been unfaithful from the earliest of times, yet you may still return to me. Which means this, regardless of how many times we're unfaithful to God or each other, God will never go back on his faithfulness towards us. Ever, ever, says the Lord Almighty. And I love how he ends it. He goes, come and I will forgive you. And so we see this this degree of fullness of attribute of what faithfulness is. And we see it against utter destruction of what unfaithfulness leads to. On one side, this unwavering, steadfast, loving God. And on the other us who deserve to be destroyed, who really do deserve hell, who really do deserve punishment for the evil that we are. But in the same way, when you come to realizing that in and of myself, I'm nothing and God is everything, you see the beauty of a promise laid out here. And the promise was this. And it's the same promise that we see fulfilled in Jesus. And God says it here at the end. Come to me and I'll forgive you. Come to me, and I'll give you myself. Come to me, return to me, and I'll forgive you. Forgive meaning simply this. When I forgive you, I erase your lack of faithfulness. When I forgive you, I erase your even need or your even uh, uh, trying to add up to how faithful you can be. Like, I erase that completely. Every wrongdoing, every ugly deed, every time you weren't faithful, come to me. I'll forgive you, and forgiveness means You are erased of your lack of faithfulness, your lack of trust, your lack of even being trustworthy. Come to me and I'll erase those things. See, in in the Old Testament, God, we get to see this. We get to see it on display. But with the New Testament, with Jesus, now we get to experience it. Like as we read the Old Testament, we get to see God's faithfulness and we get to see our mess up. But as New Testament believers... As, as Christians, as those who have put their faith in Christ, we don't just get to see it on display. We actually get to experience what that looks like. That's the, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit, that you don't just have to see God move. You get to experience and know that God moves. 
And so when he says, I'll forgive you, come to me, that's not something that just sounds good. That's something that you have the hope of being able to experience in your life. That's what faithfulness looks like. I love this forgiveness piece because one of my favorite things to do as a dad is to forgive my kids. Because when I forgive them, it allows me to love them greater and deeper. Like when I forgive my boys, it allows me to be able to love them in a deeper and greater way than I did even prior. And so when it comes to forgiveness, it's one of those things that sometimes when we go to God, we're like, God, I'm going to have to show you where I'm unfaithful. Where he's like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. You can't be faithful in and of yourself. You can't be trustworthy in and of yourself. But when you come to me, when you confess to me, I can love you greater and deeper than I could have prior. And so that's what this looks like. That's what that forgiveness looks like. The only way we can be forgiven is because our Heavenly Father chose to send Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, we saw God's faithfulness displayed through people. In the New Testament, we get to see God's faithfulness displayed through his son. And that means everything to us now. And so Jesus had to die so that we could even have the slightest ability of being able to be faithful. And he did this through the gift of forgiveness. Maybe you've heard this verse before, but I kind of want to show it in a new light a little bit. 1 John 1.9. John writes, if we confess our sins to him, if we come to him, come and I will forgive you. If we come, he's, he is faithful. Not you're coming because you are faithful. Not coming because you're trying to hold on. You come because God is trustworthy. You got because God is, is non-changing. You come because God is firm, because God is secure. He is faithful and he's just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So essentially this, when you come to God, when you confess to God, he's faithful because you are not. Plain and simple. Plain and simple breakdown. He's faithful because you are not. And this isn't based upon our goodness or even our faithfulness. Christ is faithful because we aren't. And so here's the beauty of this, that our faith isn't placed in how well we do in being faithful to God. Because oftentimes I think that's where we want to compare how well we're doing. Like, oh, well, this week I read seven times, and this week I prayed four times, and this week I shared with one person how much God loves, loves them. And this week, like, like we want to give ourselves numbers about how, we're good, do, how good we're doing, but our, our faith isn't placed in how well we do in being faithful to God. Our faith is placed in how great God's faithfulness is to us. That's where the heart of your faith lies. That's where the hope of your faith lies. Not how faithful you are to him, but resting in the fact that no matter what, how faithful he is to you. I kind of think about it like this. like I'm using my boys a lot because I love them, and God shows me so many things through them. But like when they're in the car seat in their car, like they have the ability to kind of go crazy, but they can't unlock the car seat strap. So I can drive everywhere, but they're pretty well secured unless me, unless I come through and I actually undo it. And so while they're in that seat, they can act however, they can do whatever, they can fling however, but guess what? I'm the one that secured them into that spot. And so the hope and the future of of them being able to be secure and okay is based upon what I as their dad did in the car seat, not based upon what they did to get in the car seat. Like I'm the one that buckled them in. I'm the one that secured the strap. I'm the one that placed them there. Here's the thing in your life. It took you your faith in order to, to come to God, but God placed you in the seat and secured you in. That's what God did in your life. And there's times when you flail, and there's times when you might complain, and you might whine, and you might try to get out, and you might try to run away, but guess what? You're held by God's faithfulness to not by your own faithfulness. That's what's holding you secure. By trusting in God's faithfulness, that's what holds us in secure. 
So here's the thing. If we're called to be faithful, like if the Holy Spirit says, I want to give you faithfulness, and, and we know we live in a world that lacks it, we know we live in a world where we see the destruction of what unfaithfulness does, and we know even of ourselves that we can't produce it in and of ourselves, like what am I supposed to do then? Like how can I be faithful? Like how do we do it? How do we, how do we live lives that are, that are considered faithful? I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9. He says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like while you're living right now, like you have everything given to you. And here's the thing I love. He will keep you strong to the end. Not you will stay strong till the end. Not you'll be able to manage striving through. Not every once in a while. No, no. He will keep you strong to the end. Who's that? Christ in you will keep you strong to the end so that you can then be free of all blame on the day when our Lord Christ Jesus returns. Which means one day at judgment when your unfaithfulness is supposed to be on display, Christ says, no, no, my faithfulness is what's put on display before you, God. I've secured them in. I've held them. I'm enough in them to keep them strong. That's what we're held by. And I love this. God will do this. Why? For he is faithful to do what he says. He is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into a partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. A partnership, a relationship. So how do we stay faithful? How do we have faithfulness continue to be produced in our lives? It's all about the relationship we have with Christ. It's that partnership we have with Christ. You trust in the faithfulness of God, and here's the thing, and as you trust, you become more faithful. As your relationship with Jesus grows, you will become more faithful. That's why they were to say, Matthew, like, I'll trust you in the little things, and then you can be trusted with much. Why? Because as you begin to trust, you become more faithful. As your relationship with Christ grows, your faithfulness will also grow. Um, Carly shared a little bit about her, her life right now, but, you know, I, I work with students, honestly, 11 to 18 years old. And, um, and so I get to share a degree of life, you know, to a point, but, like, I'm not going to soap opera. I'm not going to get into here. You guys are my brothers and sisters. Like, you guys are closer to my age than my 13-year-olds, you know, that I do life with constantly. And, like, this has been just a season of really struggling in the faithfulness of God for me in my life. I mean, like, really being able to trust in him. Like, as I'm seeing my dad go through stage four lung cancer and, you know, it's just really hard sometimes trusting that, that God, you're in control or, like, God, you, your promises, I can, I can trust. And God, like, you know, you're faithful even when I don't see it. Something Like, it's been a really, really trying season, just to be honest with you. And to be even more authentic and vulnerable with you, like, I'm a pastor here at this church. Like, I'm supposed to get up here and say, like, God's faithful and you can trust in him. You can, but here's the thing, like, sometimes we don't feel that. And then God reminded me something really, really beautiful that I needed. He goes, God... He goes, Corey, you, you can't be faithful to me without me. You're trying to be strong. You're trying to, you're trying to remain faithful to me. And here's the thing. You can't do it in and of yourself. Why are you trying to be faithful apart from me to me? And so here's the thing. I realize, like, even in the just suckiness of life sometimes, even in the times of questioning and doubt and hurt, like, like God created us to still always need him, even when we want to be the ones to say we don't. And so my faithfulness is not held by how strong I can fight or how good I can do. My faithfulness is resting in the relationship with Christ and saying no matter where this boat goes and this ride takes me, 
I've been secured in by you. And so I'm going to trust you when it's not easy, and I'm going to trust you when maybe I don't see your faithfulness on display right now, but I can go to your word and I can see where your faithfulness was displayed, and through your son I can experience the faithfulness of you in my life. And even though I might not be able to display it every time in the way that you need to see fit, that's not what you're calling me to. You're calling me to rest and trust in you. That's what God is calling us to do. And so oftentimes when I find myself needing to be more faithful, oftentimes when I find myself needing faithfulness in my life, I remind myself of God's faithfulness because that's where it drives from. In order to be faithful to Christ, we need Christ. And so I kind of want to like ask the question, like where is it in your life or what is it in your life that's made you question maybe God's faithfulness? What is it in your life right now that's maybe stripping away you being able to fully maybe place your faith in Christ? Who's secure, who's firm, who's unwavering, whose steadfast love, which means never changing love, is always for you? What are the things in your life that are making you question God's faithfulness? Or maybe where in your life, for someone else, are you lacking being faithful? And to both of us, to both of those and to all of us, Christ says, come and I will forgive you. Come and I will, I will enter a partnership with you. I'll give you my faithfulness. I'll secure you in even when you don't have the power to maybe secure yourself. And so I want to take a moment maybe to, to pray as the band comes back up and we go into another time of worship. For some of us, maybe your actions of faithfulness in this season of life have been more obligation than actually on reliance and trust and relationship. And so you allow the things that you believe you're faithful in to be an excuse maybe to not trust and rely and push your relationship with God deeper. For those of you, you're going through some different things in life and it's just really making you question God's faithfulness towards you. Can he really be secure? Can he really be someone I can hang my life on? And here's the thing, like Christ hung his life on a cross for you so that you can hang your life on him. You can. For some of us, maybe you're, you're lacking being faithful and you know there's something in your life right now that you continue to do and struggle with that you know God's just saying, hey, this is, this is hurting me from being able to move, move more. This is, this, is, this is being unfaithful in an area you know that I'm trying to work and break through. And the same promise is true. Come and I will forgive you. I'm faithful, not because you are. And so I want to pray for you. And then I want to do this. I want to be bold enough to do this. Find someone in the room that you can pray for and pray with. And just go to them and say, hey, we're on common ground. The common ground is this. Apart from Christ, you're not faithful. And apart from Christ, I'm not faithful. So how about we enter a partnership with Christ and we pray for each other right now? I think that's something we can do. Let's remind each other of God's faithfulness to us. Let's remind each other that God has secured us in and we're held by his faithfulness, by his security, not by our own. So I want to pray for you real quick. Let's go ahead and stand up. And I want to have us move for a second. God, I thank you for tonight, Lord. And God, faithfulness is one of those words that so often it's just churchy. God, even saying it 19 million times tonight, I'm like, ugh. 
But Lord, it wasn't about the word, it was about what you were trying to do. And God, faithfulness always requires an action. And I love that you didn't call us to move first, but Jesus, you moved in action on the cross towards us to show us that you were secure, that you were someone we could hang our life upon, that you were a firm foundation that we could always rely on, that you're unwavering and that your steadfast love will endure forever. You do not change, Lord. And God, in the up and downs of life and in the seasons that we feel like change is coming, the seasons that we're wavering, God, I'm so, uh, God, just joyful over the fact that, God, you don't measure my life based upon my faithfulness, but Christ, it's based upon your faithfulness. And I get to rest in that. I get to accept that. I get to walk in that. And so, Lord, for anybody in this room tonight that, that needs to come to you, God needs to get granted forgiveness, needs to walk into new life with you, Father. I pray that they would be bold enough to do so, that your Holy Spirit, God, would move in them. For others that are needing a reminder of, God, your faithfulness, because right now everything doesn't feel that way, I pray that you would do so. And God, for those of us in the room that, Father, they know there are areas of their lives where they're not being faithful, and God, you're calling it out. God, I pray that the promise that you would give them rest and that they can come to you for forgiveness would be stronger than ever. God, so we're going to gather up with someone here in this room tonight, two people, three people, whatever. God, we're going to remind each other of your faithfulness, and we're going to pray over each other. And God, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to move, to produce in us the ability to be faithful, God, because it's an attribute of who you are. We love you, we praise you, and it's in your name tonight we pray. Amen. For all the situations we're going through and the things in our lives, we're all there that want to rip us of our faithfulness or that want to, man, just have us doubt God's faithfulness. A reminder where God says, even with the mustard seed of faith, man, he can do mountain work. And so with that mustard seed of faith, I began praying for my dad. And over the past three months, I've seen him come to know the Lord. I've seen him begin to pray with my mom, which is something we never did in our family, ever. I, see, I, I saw him come to a, a men's conference here at the church and join him with a group of guys who love Jesus. And I've now seen him sponsor a kid to be able to go to camp to encounter Jesus. And that's, that's a celebration of God's faithfulness to us. And I, and I say that because in a season where I felt like, man, faith was so hard, God stirred up the faith of a mustard seed for me to be able to pray and and here's the thing, this week, regardless of what the odds are, man, where can you step out in faithfulness and see God do something miraculous? And so often when we look in the world and we see everything that's so unfaithful and we're like, God, what are you going to do? And God's saying, I'm going to use you. <laughs> it's my Holy Spirit in you that's wanting to do something through you. It's who I am and I want the world to see it. And they're going to see it through you. So let's pray as we wrap up the night. God, I'm in, I'm in awe of who you are because, Lord, you chose evil and wicked people, God. And you didn't create us that way, but, Father, we live in a fallen world. And, but, God, you never went back on your promise for us. Never went back on your promise, God. And, Father, even when we try to back out of it, even when we try to to find ways to screw it up, God, even in our own power, Father. You, you remind us of your faithfulness once again to us, and God, it instills in us a trust and a faith and a hope.
that we can never have in and of ourselves. And so, Lord, I'm praying for your Holy Spirit to do something this week through the lives of everybody in this room in the aspect of faithfulness. God, where can we be obediently faithful? God, and watch you do something miraculous maybe in the world around us. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for conversations. I thank you for every leader and kingdom mover in this, in this room here tonight, God. God, you're wanting to do miraculous and incredible things through every single person in every one of these seats here tonight. God, regardless of age, background, story, struggle, God, it's not about who they can be without you. It's about everything you are in them. And God, I thank you for that, and I pray that that would be sealed tonight by your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen.